Jesus said, these are the scriptures that testify about me. Lord, we pray you'd help us, and whether we know and understand and trust in Jesus, or whether these things are new to us this morning, we pray you'd help us to understand how these scriptures testify about Jesus, that we might trust him, understand him, and live for him. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Uh, Valentine's Day is just a few weeks away, so it's that time of year when Hollywood gets ready to release its latest uh, rom-com. And this year's title is imaginatively called What About Love? There's a poster for it. Now, I don't know whether you're planning to go and see that or not, but uh, forgive me, I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis of the plot. Uh, two young people head off to Europe to make a film about love, and uh, before too long they actually realise they're filming their own love story. A tragedy strikes in some form or another, but their love for each other saves them in the end, and I presume they live happily ever after. There you go, you can make an informed decision about whether or not you want to go and see it. Uh, the story of Ruth is in some ways a romantic comedy. Ruth and Boaz are faced with tragedy and crisis, but love saves them in the end. They get married, start a family, and live happily ever after. But as we come today to the most highly charged love scene of the book, it might surprise us to know that the word for love actually only occurs once in this whole book. And that isn't in this nighttime perfume-scented encounter, but it's at the end of the story in chapter 4, where it describes Ruth's love for her mother-in-law, not her love for Boaz or his love for her. And that is because this story isn't primarily here to teach us about romantic love. Yes, on one level it's a love story between Boaz and Ruth. But on another level, it's a bigger love story about the love that God has for his people. And in particular, our chapter today reveals the way God loves us as our Redeemer. It's a story of redeeming love that overcomes all the obstacles in its way. It's a story of redemption that brings rest and hope and love and life into brokenness. Jesus is often described as our Redeemer. He came to set us free from slavery. That's what a Redeemer does. Slavery to sin and Satan and death and judgment. Because no matter how hard we try, we can't escape those things that hold us in slavery by our own efforts. We're held captive. We need a Redeemer to pay the price to set us free. And that is what Jesus did. It's why he came to live the life and die the death we couldn't die, we deserve to die. Paul puts it like this in Galatians 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The Bible is clear that Jesus is our redeemer, but what sort of redeemer is he? How do you think of Jesus when someone says to you, he's your redeemer? What picture of a redeemer do you have in your mind? Is he a clever, behind-the-scenes, cold-hearted, negotiating type of redeemer? Or is he a, a macho, all-guns-blazing, action-man type of redeemer? Jesus is either of those two options. It might be quite hard to connect with him. It, we might struggle to believe that he really, really loves us. 
it might be a pretty big challenge to love him in return. Our chapter today shows us, points us towards an altogether different type of redeemer. A redeemer who loves us in the most extraordinary ways and whose love frees us to love him in return. So let's get into the story to discover what redemption is all about, what sort of redeemer Jesus is for you and me. And we're going to learn three lessons, one from each of the three characters. First of all, beginning with Naomi. So first of all, faith plans to find redemption. Faith plans to find redemption. Naomi comes home from Moab with no hope. But through Boaz's kindness to Ruth in the harvest fields, her faith is revived and she begins to imagine new possibilities for the future. In particular, she has faith in God that he could use Boaz to redeem them. Do you remember back in chapter 1, Naomi prays for Ruth. She says, May the Lord grant that you find rest in the home of another husband. But now she takes the initiative to be the answer to her own prayers in in verse 1. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Naomi thinks, I need to figure this out, so I'm going to make a plan. Verse 2. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Naomi knew that family ties ran deep in ancient Israel. If a man died, leaving his widow without children, then his brother was obliged to marry her so that his name, uh, his brother's name, wouldn't die out. Seems like an odd custom to us, but it was very, very important to God's people, in part because it highlighted the special relationship that they had with God. But Ruth's brother-in-law Ruth's husband has died and her brother-in-law has also died. But there's still hope in this man, Boaz. Because Boaz is somehow related to her mother-in-law. And so he can play the part of a redeemer too. As uh, Naomi said back in chapter 2, that man, Boaz, is one of our close relatives. He is one of our guardian redeemers. If Boaz chose to, he could step in, he could marry Ruth, he could bring hope into the hopeless situation of these two destitute widows. And so Naomi decides to play the part of the wedding plan. The harvest is over, it's time to move from the harvest fields to the threshing floor. Now threshing involved, um, it was outside, not in a barn. They'd throw the grain up into the evening breeze and the grain would fall back down and the lighter husks would blow away. Tonight's the night when Boaz is at the threshing floor. So Naomi decides to arrange a blind date. Have a shower, make yourself beautiful, take him by surprise, he'll tell you what to do. Well, it's hard to read this story, isn't it? And not to wonder if that is all that went on. The lights are down low, there's plenty of suggestive language in the original, but it seems that the writer is at pains to make out that this is two godly people. This is a righteous plan for redemption. 
an intriguing story, but what can we learn from it? How can we apply it to our lives today? Well, at one level, it reveals something of a parent's godly concern for their child. Naomi wants her adoptive daughter to marry a godly, believing husband. So she plans for that and presumably prays for it too. Now that doesn't suggest that we, if we have children, should go around setting up blind dates for our kids. But it does encourage us to do what we can do, I think, to help them marry a godly, believing spouse, if that's the Lord's will for them. But this passage isn't primarily about dating or about marriage, it's about a redeemer. So maybe it's more appropriate to apply it in the area of evangelism. That sounds a bit odd, but let me just try to explain that. Now, as we'll see later on, Boaz is a picture of a redeemer, a picture of Jesus. And Naomi does what she can to put Ruth in the place where she will meet her Redeemer. And if that's the shape of Naomi's story, well, perhaps it could be the shape of our story too. It's not enough for us to pray that our friends would discover their Redeemer, Jesus. Rather like Naomi prayed that Ruth would find rest in the, in the home of her husband. We also need to do things to help them to meet the Redeemer who offers them rest, like Boaz was going to offer Ruth rest. Maybe that would involve inviting them to church or sharing a Christian book with them, offering to read the Bible with them, or simply saying something to them about our story. See, if we have faith in the, in the God who redeemed us in Christ, then that faith will become active in love by putting our friends in a place where they might meet the Redeemer too. So faith plans to find redemption. That is Naomi's story. Ruth's response teaches us our second lesson. Courage asks to be redeemed. Courage asks to be redeemed. So Ruth went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. After the Harvest Festival party, Boaz lies down to sleep. It's his turn tonight to guard the harvested grain. But whilst he sleeps, Ruth pulls the blanket back and lies down herself at his feet. And this is clearly very alarming and awkward for this godly man. He is obviously not in the habit of being woken up by unrecognisable women at midnight. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. But whilst Boaz is still rubbing the sleep out of his eyes, Ruth takes the initiative. First of all, she calls herself literally his maidservant. That's a word which highlights that she's eligible to be married. And then she asks him outright to marry her. I am your maidservant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Ruth's words mean a lot more than, shall we snuggle up? Because she uses exactly the same image to, dis to, dis to ask Boaz to do something for her that God has said he's already done for his people Israel. Let me read to you from Ezekiel chapter 16. This is God speaking. Later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. 
I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Sovereign Lord, and you became mine. See, just as God has bound himself to his people in an unbreakable marriage covenant, so Ruth asked Boaz to bind himself to her as, his, as her husband, to provide for her, protect her, give her rest and love. But her request is actually even more than a request to marry her, because she's asking Boaz to be the answer to his own prayer. Back in chapter 2, verse 12, if you look across the page, Boaz prayed for her. He said, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The word for wings there is the same as the word here for corner of a garment. Ruth is saying, why don't you do what you prayed about? See, you know I've left the gods of Moab to, to follow the one true God. Why don't you be the means of me finding refuge in him? She combines her faith with courage. And so she says to Boaz, redeem me. It is a picture of a sinner asking Jesus to redeem them. Without Jesus, we're outsiders like Ruth. We don't belong. We can't know God. It's described like this elsewhere. We were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus is the one who can give us refuge and rest in God that we so desperately need. It's no good to simply know that there is a Redeemer out there somewhere. We actually need to approach him and say to him, Redeem me. Ruth knew all about Boaz, but she didn't stop with her knowledge of Boaz. Her courage said, Redeem me. And we need to do the same thing with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you know that you haven't actually done that yet. You know in your head that Jesus came to redeem you, to rescue you from sin and judgment and emptiness and hopelessness and eternal restlessness. But you haven't yet said to him, redeem me. Maybe it's fear that's holding you back. What would he expect of me if I put my life in his hands? Maybe it's uncertainty about what he's really like. Can I really trust him to take care of me? Will he really make my life better, not worse? Maybe it seems like the risks are too high. Maybe we think, what if there's a better option? But if that's you, can I encourage you to learn from Ruth's example? Because it does take courage to say to Jesus, redeem me. When he spreads the corner of his garment over us, it is always worth it. As we learn in our last lesson, as we come to focus on Boaz. So thirdly, generosity points to the kindness of our Redeemer. Generosity points to the kindness of our Redeemer. Verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men whether rich or poor. 
Boaz's words commend Ruth's kindness to him, but also to Naomi. Because he knows, you see, that she's come back from Moab with her mother-in-law. She didn't have to do that. He knows that she spent the harvest season working in the harvest fields to provide for her mother-in-law. She didn't have to do that. That was kind. But her kindness didn't stop there. She could have picked any of the young men of Bethlehem, but she chose Boaz instead. Presumably, not because he was the greatest catch, but because he was the only kinsman who was obliged to care for Naomi. So Ruth continues her kindness to Naomi by choosing Boaz, the redeemer. And Boaz doesn't plan to disappoint. And yet, there's an obstacle in the way. Verse 11. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I, someone ahead of me in the queue. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Well, maybe Naomi already knew that there was this other guy ahead of Boaz in the queue. Just think back to what she said in chapter 2, verse 20. That man, Boaz, is one of our guardian redeemers. But the thing is, she knew that Ruth, that Boaz was a man of noble character. Chapter 2, verse 1. And Ruth is also a woman of noble character. Chapter 3, verse 11. They are a perfect match, so only Boaz will do. And if Naomi already knew that there was this other guy ahead of Boaz in the queue... Maybe that explains why she went about things in a rather unconventional way, arranging this blind date to the threshing floor instead of going straight to speak to the community elders, which is what Boaz will do in chapter 4. But Boaz will do what is right regardless. He won't cut corners or bend the rules. He will make sure that Ruth and Naomi are redeemed, come what may. We won't find out how until tomorrow morning or next Sunday. But in the meantime, he gives Ruth a taste of what sort of redeemer he is. Verse 14. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. Once again, Boaz, Boaz acts with total integrity. He sleeps there through the night with her, and yet he does not take advantage of her. He keeps her overnight, presumably protecting her from any dangers that she might have experienced on the road home. And then he sends her away before anyone knows she's there, therefore protecting her from any untrue rumours that could have ruined her reputation. And when he sends her home, he gives her an extraordinary parting gift. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. That is probably six times the amount of barley that she gleaned in the harvest fields in chapter 2. You notice he has to put it on her, I guess like a, a rucksack or something like that. It is ex ridiculously extravagant. And it comes with a personal message delivered by Ruth. Verse 16. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, 
He gave him these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Empty-handed. Surely he knew what Naomi had said when she went home to Bethlehem. The Lord has brought me back empty. Not so fast. Your Redeemer, Naomi, delights to make you full again. Your prayer for Ruth will be answered. Verse 18. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. She prayed, didn't she, that the Lord would give Ruth rest in chapter 1. She planned to find Ruth rest at the beginning of chapter 3. And now she is absolutely confident that this Redeemer will not rest until rest is finally found. Isn't that the sort of Redeemer you and I have got in Jesus? He is determined to do absolutely everything right. He will overcome every obstacle, no matter what cost to himself. He knows that we're weak and vulnerable, and yet he will never take advantage of you or me. He will always act with total integrity. He will never treat you or me with violence or disrespect. He is always tender and gentle. He is extravagantly generous. He delights to fill us up, pouring good gifts into our lives. No more greater gift than the gift of the Holy Spirit. He will not rest until he has given you and me rest. You see, Jesus is not a clever, cold-hearted, behind-the-scenes type of negotiator. Jesus is not an, an, an all-guns-blazing, macho, action-man sort of negotiator. Jesus is a generous, extravagant, filling us up, will not rest until rest is found type of negotiator. Type of redeemer, sorry. So I don't know how you feel when Valentine's Day comes up and the latest rom-com is on, on the cinema. Maybe it's a, a special day for you. Maybe it's a day full of heartache and sadness and pain and regret. I don't know if you're excited about Hollywood rom-coms or you avoid them like the plague, but the romance of Ruth and Boaz, which does have a happy ending, reminds us that we are all part of a much, much, much bigger love story. God's redeeming love for us in Jesus overcomes tragedy and obstacles. It saves us in the end. It gives us comfort in the presence, peace, security, and eternal rest. So let's learn the lessons of this chapter. Let's commit ourselves to our Redeemer, because faith plans to find God's redemption. Courage asks to be redeemed, and generosity reveals the kindness of our Redeemer, the Redeemer that is called Jesus. We're going to have two or three minutes of silence when we can just pray, talk to Jesus what we've been hearing and um, then the band will come and play for us the first verse of our next song whilst we're seated and then we'll, they'll invite us to stand and we'll start again from the beginning so let's have a moment two three minutes of quiet and prayer